Jump in the Gun podcast. We've got a special guest today in Kevin Dooney. He's going to be chatting to us about all things running and, of course, his article that was in Fast Running the other week. Joined by Ronan Duggins back with us and Jared O'Donnell. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Good evening. Kevin, you're welcome. You're in the hot seat here. We're explaining how complicated and how uh, high tech our setup is here in uh, <laughs> Jump in the Gun High Towers and Studios. So we'll get into the whole article and stuff in a little bit but just to give a bit of background and then you can let us a little bit know where you are you're running but uh, in the history of I suppose I've been watching you run since you're in CBC Monkstown kind of coming up through the ranks uh, running in schools cross country track winning schools cross country medals and you were just saying just before it was your first trip abroad was actually a world juniors so it's changed in the context of now whereas a lot of people are going abroad but again a nice rise you then get a scholarship to Yale university doing well there as well and you get your pbs down to some good times under 14 minutes for 5,000, some good 10,000 meter times and again representing ireland in the, in the cross country under 23s then now you're one of the leading senior athletes as well and you've taken in some of the track championships as well in 2015 in estonia running in the the 10k yeah. was that yeah, yeah. with uh, brandon hargreaves he did the five and the ten he was your roommate, I think, wasn't he? he? Was, I, I then turned to five and just couldn't do it. <laughs> After a 10k was enough and then just enjoyed Estonia. Yeah, I was thinking you were entered for the five and the 10 as well, actually. Yeah. yeah, we had an enjoyable time. But again, just kind of, I suppose, that was a brief synopsis. But tell us where you are now in your only Obviously, you, were, you competed uh, recently in the world half, but you weren't kind of in... You were hoping you had, you had a bit of an, an illness or whatever going into it as well. Yeah, yeah I mean, I sort of went to Vence, I guess carrying a sore quad that after a mile got to the point of this is going to be a bad day and then probably should have stopped or if I've learned one lesson it's kind of run with a map of the course beforehand so you know where you can step off and be near your hotel but finished it out anyway and got through and then in a bad way after like still not really back running now so it's nothing major I've thankfully got the all clear off an MRI but still injured kind of got the long road of rehab and stretching all that to get through and then I have to take my time with it see see when I get back and then if it's this summer for, for cross country in the winter then be a nice kind of nice change of pace that you kind of a, a good time to be taking time off anyway yeah and in the couple of articles at the start of fast running was actually just on your general run and you've kind of come back from Yale we'll maybe get into a little bit about America especially with people coming out to their leave and certainly that's <laughs> the great debate of should I stay or should I go just a brief into your experience but you're, you're currently working with the civil service and also it, a slight attempt at the same time to really focus and throw a few eggs in the basket in, in terms of trying to get the best out of your out of your running while you're still a young man. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, sort of, I can work when I'm 40 and running well, I'm not going to be chasing my dreams for that long, so just kind of stick to it, give it what I can now and at least kind of come away at an older age saying like, I gave it a good lash on 20, not kind of burning myself out working now and then realise that, right, I'm 35 when I really kickstart the running career. I mean, sort of, I have a limited window for which I can try get the running crew right so I might as well stick to it for now and see where I can go with it. 
Yeah, because I think there's a history now, or there's a kind of a culture and a rhythm now in, in Irish distance running that people kind of sort their lives out first and then they're coming in at 32 and then they're peaking or they're going to get the best out of their running but maybe not necessarily going to really achieve their top-end potential oh, yeah, as it were. You see a lot of guys who kind of have, yes, taken kind of after under-23s or whatever, just taken a few years off or a few follow years and then kind of come back in their late 20s or like, you do miss a large chunk when you're in your prime of being able to train and manage it. So, I mean, I'm definitely happy now kind of trying to train through and see where we can get with it. Yeah, and you've got, you've got a good support structure. And I suppose, I think the fundamental for you, and like a lot of good runners, is you actually love running. You're in a, a family, steeped in family, uh, running your father, Roy, I don't know, 13 World Cross countries or whatever. Only nine, I think. Nine, 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 okay. We'll give them enough anyway. I'd say I'll take the other four, and your mother, uh, Greta, was also competing World Cross, ran for... Ran for Ireland as well, and then obviously Connor has. I think he's competed in the European Cross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and you have had some nice rivalries and then <laughs> walking off. I think in the national clubs, inter club, cross country, there's the balancing act for the parents. Congratulations, <laughs> you, so you, you did great. So, it's Kevin. It's, oh, it's, 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 Connor it's, so it's always safe to go on Dooney's or go on Rohini, you know, sort of yeah. first name basically gets very messy at the national cross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what's that like? Just briefly, just on a lighter side. Say at that national cross country, I think you were a third individual. Second. Second. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta take everything you can get. Exactly. But, but what's that like, you know, in in the house and then kind of coming up and and then after the race, just in terms of it, you know, the sibling rivalry is always one I think that intrigues people. Like I know there's even particularly when you're at the same age, you're twins. There's a you know direct. You're, you're the younger brother oh, as well, yeah, you know, which it. makes it even more fun. For I you. think yeah, I think yeah, the fact that we are. At least we're not work. We used to be working in the same company, so we've nicked that now. But maybe, but uh, yeah, we used to work together. Now still live together, train together. So it's definitely uh, very much up in each other's business all the time. Mm-hmm. So it is. It is a. Uh, it's a difficult one, but we kind of we've both gone through our phase. I guess we have. We've probably gone for only a handful of runs this year between him being injured, and me being injured. So it does. Uh, but like I mean, like yeah, the cross country ones are always difficult in that regard. But at least you know the benefit of being part of Rohini and having a strong team. At least if we both win. Dinter club tile as a team, you can have something to come away from there. Yeah, but it's it's a difficult one when one runs well and the other doesn't. But it's I mean it's just the nature of the sport. And no, no, it's going to be a very rare day when every athlete is happy with how they get on. So mm-hmm. I suppose Connor's at a disadvantage as well. Being the older brother, he gets to make all the mistakes and then you swoop in <laughs> and uh, reap all the rewards. You say, well, he's after doing that and making a fool out of himself. I'll do it this way. And oh yeah, there is. I mean, he definitely is a man who he kind of led the trail for me in terms of <laughs> working full time and running an army like followed basically him through the same company living him now through the same physios and all that so, I mean he kind of set up I mean he's the first one who went to Jerry Kieran to join the group and you see there when I was mm-hmm. kind of looking for a group coming back to I me mean, he had basically already set up the path yeah. to go yeah. down which was very useful ground where he said kind of, I mean he could easily waste a year yeah. trying yeah, to set himself up yeah. find a group find whatever so at least yeah. he had kind of done the groundwork for me so it made it very easy for me to sit in once I got back from college I'm sure you thank him regularly. For oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you've battled him out of the park, and he, yeah. obviously you both uh, he what blazed a trail. Obviously setting up as well. Was he still in Yale when you went in, or was he just? No, actually yeah. we had eight years consecutive with zero overlap. So he went through his four, then graduated, and I came. So he left in May, and I started in September. So yeah, yeah. So that's I mean, which most people probably agree was a good thing for. Definitely for me, anyway, to not actually have kind of my own space there. If we, yeah. if he'd been in his final year and I'd been in my first year, that could have been tearing the heads off each other at that stage. So yeah. we're a bit more mature now that we can not tear the heads off each other <laughs> or racing each yeah. other. So. And just one funny one, I know from the 
the Hooper's Dick and Patton just reading from it before, you know, that uh, one one is more organised and one is more messy and, and uh, Dick would say sometimes that like he'd find uh, Pat say like training journal, you know, lying around and he'd look and pick it up and look in it but, but Pat <laughs> Wouldn't necessarily fill it in for a few weeks. He'd be making up, so he's like, "Oh, gee. <laughs> he he can't have a little look at the diary." Would he's ever have? I know in the age of Garmin's and Strava, people upload. But do you uh, keep a diary? And, and who would be maybe more of the, oh, no, the more he, organised? He, he, he's still on his ten ten year old little stop start watch. So, I mean, I'm fully caved to Garmin and Strava and all that. So he's he is nothing of that. He's fully just go for a seventy minute run, call it ten miles or whatever, and step away from there. Whereas, I mean, I used to be the same up until probably. Just over a year ago, and then. Kind of and does he have a training journal that you might scour? Do you have time if he's lying around? You might. I sure I do. Most, I mean, most of my miles I'm out with him, so I kind of know exactly <laughs> what's going on. Like, you know, he's not sneaking off unless he's sneaking off for double runs at lunchtime during work or something like that. Like, no, that's no. why you need to check. <laughs> Getting all the extra lunchtime training yeah, yeah. on that, yeah. So that's the important part, yeah. yeah. No, I pretty much know exactly what we know exactly what the runs up. So I mean, it's not. Yeah, he'll hear me banging the door going out in the morning and give out to me for going for my being too loud going for my shakeout. So. So it's a good motivation though, isn't it really? You know, we all get moments of like lack of motivation or, or will I get out and knowing that your brother or whoever is there as well, it kind of like, right, if he's getting out and... Oh yeah, I, I, mean, like, I mean, that's one thing I definitely noticed this winter where he wasn't running, he was injured, so it's like fucking going out in the January nights, snow, wind, rain, whatever he had, completely on your own, that was difficult him not being there. And so you do miss that, that's... You have when you only have when you're working full time. It's hard to find like a training group to meet up with at kind of six o'clock at night when most of you are kind of either running home or just doing their own thing. So mm-hmm. to have him there, it's like yeah, you're not going to bail on a run when you have somebody to run with. But when he's not there, then it becomes that bit more difficult. Yeah, and maybe briefly, just in terms of instead of going over the old usual trail of America, some things that aren't talked about as much is, is actually the transition maybe from America to back home, and that can be. As big a chance because it's a great opportunity to get to yeah. travel in America, great competition. We kind of know all that type of gist, yeah. And then people have their various opinions, but we don't really have enough open dialogue, maybe about like how do we like you're, you're saying you're lucky and that Connor was there to kind of blaze a trail that you know the path is still open to run, it's not like it's oh, yeah. all over now if you don't get a big pro contract or whatever. Oh, yeah, you I, mean, I mean, definitely like that is. I had a huge right, there's options there kind of like do you want to stay in America do you want to you know kind of even join the co- try join the coaching staff of the college you went to I mean I was almost lucky in regard that because of the way the Ivy League works I could only do my four years like, there's no messing around with red shirts or hanging on to a master to be a grad assistant all that basically like, you're done your four years get out yeah. so it made it simpler <laughs> that basically the choice of get your degree and you know do I either stay in America and work which you know I just the work-life balance there, it's, it's not possible to be running. Unless you're mm. a full-time runner, you're not really going to make it work there, especially if you're on the hook for a visa as well. So the option then, if you want to run, is either you try to go professional in America, which you're not, I mean, I was not in a position to do that by times and all that. So there's no point in that. So kind of, right, just looking at it pragmatically, kind of, right, come home and then see what you can get. I was lucky enough to get an internship kind of soon enough after getting home, which I had worked for a company over in America and then carried on in Ireland. Then it's like found my way into job I'm in now so it's but yeah it's definitely a difficult transition you kind of have to pick what you want I mean it would be very easy to come home and kind of faff out and say I should be a full-time athlete in Ireland but then you sort of realize that you have to start the real world eventually if you start being a full-time athlete at 24 or when do you really decide to mm. enter the world so at least kind of doing it now if I want to take time off from my career kind of 26 27 I'm a bit 
more mature in my running and I can do that. So I've built up to working hours now and saving a bit of money as well. So it kind of makes it easier. But yeah, it's definitely, there's a lot of options and you kind of have to pick the best one for you. I mean, if you want to come home and do a master's as well or further your education, it's probably the best way to pursue a career. But Yeah, and is it kind of daunting just like, what's it like, you know, Sean Tobin, uh, he's coming back and I know that for some of them that are coming back, he, he might stay over there, I'm not sure, but what's that like is it a little bit daunting kind of like everything you have a nice structure you have a nice setup in America you kind of know what you're doing and you know you can, you're, I think even in Yale I'm not too sure but your yeah. training is set up a little bit oh, yeah, the classes yeah, yeah. isn't it yeah so like it's a nice setup and now you're kind of coming back to right and back to just going off with the last thing you said you have so many options you just have to pick one yeah and I suppose you have too many there's too much uh, I suppose free time and free choice to say well I could do this 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 and this but what am I actually going to do so picking one is probably the hardest part I suppose yeah you probably have to pick one you kind of have to abandon you kind of have to pick one and say this is my life now mm. you can't like I mean I found for the first few months I was back to getting incredibly frustrated like it's three o'clock I should be out of practice now but yeah no you're you're in work <laughs> yeah. so just like very much like packing up like that was done like I'm not going to have that set up again like mm. I can't hop on a bus, go to a place where there is an indoor track, an outdoor track, a golf course to train on, a manicured 800 metre loop yeah. and all that stuff. Like that's gone for now and you kind mm. of have to just rationalise that in yourself and say, right, that was what it was. I have to try and make something new in my new setup. If you kind of keep pining for that ideal college setup, which it pretty much is, that mm. you're not, you're just going to get frustrated in yourself. You have to kind of say like, how can I make this system work best for me in Ireland now? And yeah. just kind of rationalise that with yourself. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, I think that's about it. Yeah, I just I think you you touched on that and that it, it's a good example and just for some athletes in terms of like making the best and I think that's the key and like what Jared's saying as well. Make a decision and then just in terms of making the best of what you have. You can't be saying well if I had this and that and if I could have yeah. been here or there. At the end of the day, you've got to get a nice structure. You obviously have now you're well settled into yeah into a routine. If, if not if not a fully professional runner, you have to accept that there will be trade off in your setting and mm. come yeah. to terms with those. And, and last question on that and then I'm going to let Jared uh, take the lead on it. Just what, how, just you mentioned about him, you know, he's a colourful character again, wouldn't like to be labelled as that Con Hoolan wouldn't say that you're not a character but he's a, he's a well qualified uh, in the sport and Jerry Kieran has been your coach and been involved yeah. in that group. How, how has that, how has that been and how have you evolved from that system and and now working with Jerry? Oh, it's been very, very nice to get the one great thing about Jerry is there's very little pressure in it. So I mean, he will kind of say, like, what do you want to do this year? Like, he'll very much tell you, like, run easy, look after yourself. I mean, he's not he's not putting huge pressure on me to be out hammering miles. Like, I mean, he just kind of trusts that we get on with the service more. Holistic approach is kind of just like, it'll come eventually with age. Like, just kind of keep training for now and eventually we'll get there. Whereas a lot of coaches can be very short-term mindset. Just, you know, what's our next championship? What's our next big goal? Whereas Jerry's like, look, you've years. Just enjoy yourself now, like just keep running and then the things will fall apart, kind of fall in place later on down the line. So that's great. I mean, there's a great buzz there in UCD, like you out there. I mean, I still, even though I'm injured, still go out every Tuesday and Saturday down to either UCD or track. Just like walk around with Jerry, chat, kind of run a little crash down there with all the kids there. Yeah. <laughs> the big kids. But that's one thing that does strike me with Jerry and the more maybe also get involved in coaching just from watching from afar. Just that sense of like, you know, that kind of sense of mentoring and, like you say, keeping you involved. And it's not just all about, you know, turning left, running straight and, and banging the miles and, oh, and, yeah. and 
all out achievement, whereas, as you said, that holistic approach. Yeah, I mean, think about you go into UCD on a Tuesday night, you've got likes of Connor, you know, John Travers, Mark Christie, Joe Sweeney, like you've got the top of Irish athletics there, and then there's also 20 or 30 marathon runners there who get equal time from Jerry, not made. They definitely know prima donnas going on out there, like it's everyone gets the same time, basically. Tuesday night at half six, everyone starts session at the same time, no matter if you're in the, you know, three hour marathon run or a 40 minute five run, you're all starting your session at the exact same time from the same start line and obviously it separates out pretty quickly, but <laughs> everyone starts at the same time and the same whistle, so. Yeah. Tuesday nights with Jerry, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Book yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, the book, the book will come out of the coffee sessions and Renlow where he sets up and sets off with down there every day. Exactly. That's where the real coaching happens. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's good. I'm gonna yeah. just lead over. We're gonna obviously now evolve into the into the fast run article and hand over to Jared to take the lead. On. Yeah. So I suppose the reason you're here, not that we didn't want you here every <laughs> week. We'd love to have you here every week if you'd come back. But uh, yeah, the article we've seen on. Uh, so we were doing your. You're one of the chosen the chosen few for fast running. This year to write articles all year for them. Yeah, basically. Um, yeah. So just I suppose that with that. What was that was just to give an update of your running through the year. Or? Yeah. So basically, I mean. Guys from Patrick Ryan got in touch probably last November, December, so they want to put kind of they're on the class of twenty eighteen, so kind mm. of pick runners from basically all phases of their careers. I mean, you've got myself over in Ireland, you've got kind of likes of Leon Reed, sort of mm. combat medalists, you've got Ewan Thomas who was also in combat games, and there's kind of older marathon runners there, a few British female runners as well. So it's kind of it's a whole cross section of distance runners from kind of a few juniors up until kind of people in like my stage of career to people who are kind of at yours which is basically everyone writes one blog a month and about where they are in their running career sort of life lessons if you have them or yeah. kind of updates I me mean, like everyone's basically taking their own run and spinning mm. with it so it's, yeah. it's a great it's, I mean, it's an interesting project kind of interesting to read sort of what yeah. all these different athletes mm. are doing and it's a nice platform to have I guess yeah very good so last week then we had uh, the piece hopefully most of you listening now have read, read it or if you don't you can click on and have a read after you listen to this but uh so basically you, you were talking us through your mental health uh issues and I suppose the, the whole process you went through with your mental health and where you sit now with it and advice for the future so maybe we'll just try and um keep it I suppose fairly light-hearted as much as <laughs> the, as much as the topic will allow but um just to start off I suppose um looking back it may not be it might be a bit of a tricky question to start with but was there when did you think your your mental health or your awareness of your mental health uh, issues would have began? Uh, I mean, I think for me, like I have one very distinct memory of kind of realizing that this is sort of an issue now. That that kind of the Ivy League cross country in I was October twenty fifteen. Mm. I sort of like I ran I was fifth that day. I mean, I should have probably been kind of top two, top three, and then it's like I mean, I just had a bad run. I just remember mm. afterward feeling that this is. I was on the bus on the way back, just kind of sitting on my own in the back, like, what, what's going on here? Like, I just don't feel like this has taken way more out of me. It sort of made me question at a far more fundamental level what I'm doing here and sort of like, why is everyone all around working? It was a miserable day and the team did pretty badly too, but everyone's kind of still, like happy and laughing. I was mm. kind of back, just, like in my own little world of running, like, as I kind of was sitting there at the back of the bus crying, one like, this, this isn't right. Yeah. Like, and just kind of then... <clears throat> kind of slowly come in terms that that kind of I guess that would be where I'd say I recognise the starting point in but I definitely yeah. think it, it did start before then like there were kind of that feeling of not getting the same highs out of races was was creeping into it a little bit but mm. yeah that's kind of when I started like this is actually probably something 
something more than just kind of a being bummed after a yeah, bad race. Yeah. So you notice you were too far down in yeah. terms of you shouldn't have been that disappointed or you were disappointed about things other than the actual race when you're Yeah, really too too far down in terms of yeah, it wasn't. Mm. It was more kind of like where is this all going as opposed to Yeah. I mean I still like I still ran very well kind of for the rest of the cross country season, but yeah. again the running well still didn't quite fulfil me in the way that yeah. it once did or definitely should have at that point. Yeah. Um, so just in terms of that was it do you think putting pressure on yourself in terms of those races or would it have been more so just a build up of different things throughout yeah I think it was definitely a large end of a kind of I mean not external pressure but very much like an internal pressure mm-hmm. to yeah. kind of drive this on and get to a high level it's almost kind of like once I like I got to a high level kind of around on my PBs just track season leading up to that cross country and I kind of that was my first I guess fall down from the highest height I'd reached so yeah, kind of like yeah. <clears throat> realizing that like I've come this far still capable like that's kind of the first setback I guess since I'd advanced to kind of what I yeah. deem as a new level and like realizing like I can't handle the setback and yeah. I've just fought like I've put myself kind of climbed too high up a mountain started and then turned around and said there's nobody else here mm. So I suppose you weren't you weren't prepared to slip back down the mountain at all. You wanted you, once, once you climbed to that peak, it was like, wait a minute, I might not stay here all along. And when you came back down a little bit, it was very hard to deal with. Yeah, exactly. So sort of kind of a realization that this is still going to be incredibly difficult and kind of the support network. I mean, I had phenomenal support networks in college in terms of friends and coaches and all that, but there is still an element of feeling like I'd start doing this too much on my own yeah, and that yeah. was kind of, a, kind of a loneliness kind of like an isolation point of that everyone was always around you very quickly when it's going well and sort of yeah, like yeah. that even that very first step back was there's not really as many people here as you think yeah I suppose you're saying the the internal pressure I suppose is always going to be a big one especially for well for anyone yeah. suffering with mental health issues it's going to be coming from <clears throat> themselves putting pressure on themselves but uh, the external factors as well I suppose when there are coaches and teammates giving you pats on the back when everything is going well and those kind of uh, disappear a little bit when things aren't going so well. Yeah, I mean, it's, and it sort of becomes hard to, like at that point, I'd, I was the best runner on the team, so I kind of reason to this kind of a level where I was expected to kind of carry the team almost mm. and be this infallible, strong yeah. runner and then when it starts crumbling, you kind of realise that's I'm not. I'm not that strong. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You're the great shining light. Yeah, exactly. And then you know, then yeah. you realize that you know I'm really not. Once the bulb the, starts the, to dim a little bit, the emperor's wearing no clothes. You know, sort of all yeah, at yeah. that point. Um, I suppose when, when that you first became aware of it during that bus ride home, mm-hmm. um, did being away from home make it all the harder, or was uh, it a fact where you're like, well, at least I'm away from home and I can just deal with this myself and get on with it I think mean, there's never there's never a huge amount of kind of like in like I definitely don't think it was an issue of being in America or being homesick or anything like that mm. I mean I had had say kind of a very good friend over America yeah. and a coach is like it wasn't I mean yeah, yeah there's never kind of like you miss your family but I still I still like, Skype them every week anyway so yeah. you know there wasn't yeah I don't, I don't think being away from home had any huge effect on it it was, sort of, it was just it was just I guess I kind of said this is I am away from home and that's mm. it is what it is so yeah um, how long would it have been before you kind of looked for some help over there? Uh, I'd say, so that probably starts, so that would be what, October 2015. No, sorry, 2014. October yeah, 2014. Yeah. So I think that, 
the first time I kind of talked about then would have been actually Bulgaria. So where I was on their 23 team and Connor was on the senior team. And kind of after the race sitting in the hotel room, kind of had a first first chat with him about mm-hmm. it, kind of trying to explain what's going on here. Of course, there's a few points on board. So it was, yeah. sort of, it was, a, it was probably more honest, but also easier to hide behind the fact that we yeah, were... a few points. Yeah, that there yeah, were a few points yeah. on board. That's all. And I mean, like, yeah. it came to a point where a few months later he kind of had to give out and like stop talking to me it's about this when you're drunk like actually yeah. do when you're sober and I was like I just found it very very difficult to talk about when sober it's kind of it was just like it came out more when yeah. drunk but yeah. with him in particular and I guess at that I guess at that point from Bulgaria it's like he was aware of it but it was still I wasn't fully aware of it it was sort of like this is kind of a like I wouldn't have said I had well I would have said, I looking back now, I'd say I had depression then, but I wouldn't have recognised it at the time. It's sort of just kind of just yeah. a temporary blip as opposed to sort of what's become a much longer running thing now. Yeah, yeah. And then professional help. help. <clears throat> that that was, I didn't, I'd say I didn't get professional help until it would have been end of 2015, so it would have been kind okay, of another but a year. year. Twitter, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, to me I would have then, it was some point in kind of September, October 2015, where I'd really started to get, like, this is, this is interfering with my life. Yeah. And kind of not just, it's not just feeling down after races or kind of, like, occasional feeling down during the week or whatever. Like, they're coming far more frequently to kind of these down moments. So, yeah. sort of, like, so, yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of why I talked about in the piece of calling my mum and kind of having to end the phone call because I couldn't actually, like, get the words out of me because it was becoming just... I mean, it's still something I've struggled to at times express while speaking actually find that writing is a much easier way of doing yeah. it just because yeah. it's, it just kind of flows mm-hmm. flows out writing there's no back and forth with it so it's just like yeah. it's actually easier to put it out for the first time in writing and share it through that way than have a initial interview with about it I guess yeah and I suppose it's something, it's something that's quite hard to put into words as well you probably had to draft and redraft that piece a few times or did it just all come out at once and um, I've, I mean <laughs> I've written that was probably kind of a that was the first that draft that you came out very quickly but there's been many handwritten and typed out pieces about my own I mean I just write kind of as a yeah. mental health tool of trying to rationalise how I'm feeling so yeah. the words had already come out before but it's kind of actually that first piece came out together very quickly because it had been written about before yeah, so. yeah. and you find with the writing that you can get the words out I think like like you're saying when you're talking maybe to your brother or your mother and like I say, you're you're in a position there. You're like, oh, actually, I'm not too bad. Like, I'm okay. But when you get, if you do a series of writing, like I would have gone counselling in like two thousand five six, and like you say, it's hard to talk about something. But I'd write a diary and I'd go to the counsellor. But I would write for the week and then I'd read it out. Because sometimes if you go on at the Tuesday evening, like I'm actually feeling pretty good. I've had a good day. I'm actually pretty good. I'd sit down anyway. This me personally, and I'd read out the diary. And like, okay, right. There's a lot of ups and downs and ebbs and flows there. Whereas I wouldn't have been uh, necessarily if I'd have just gone to the counselling session, talked to the counsellor. I'd say, actually, I'm do- I'm doing okay here. Whereas I've got it down on paper. I've really written down how I felt at the time. It's not uh, immediate. The immediate yeah. blocker, like, and and as you say, it's that kind of classic. Iron, like, you don't want to show weakness yeah. or something in front of comments. Like you said, I'm the lead runner on the team. I'm yeah. I'm like identity. I'm a strong. Yeah, I mean, say absolutely. I mean, like, I find myself that I'm often probably not fully true, and even when I go to counselling now, kind of like you almost feel the very fact you're going to counselling makes you feel kind of oh, I'm doing something about this. I feel good, and you go to counselling. Yeah. Actually, I feel grand today, but then you need to remember why you're there. Is that <laughs> yeah. most of the times I don't feel grand, and this is yeah. why I'm here to begin with. So, sort of 
that's where the writing does help that at those quiet moments by yourself where you are probably more vulnerable to mm. being honest about that when you write it down you sort of you can go back and say this is how I actually feel that when I'm I might be up now talking to you but if I've written this at a damn point that's probably the more honest or more, or, or more equal reflection of yeah. you know generally if I'm down I'm not in the mood to talk to people so just you know yeah. you don't get me at that point I suppose it's like going to the physio as well or anything like that you, you might feel terrible on a Tuesday and you're really tight and then by the time you get to the appointment on Thursday you're like oh, I'm actually not feeling too bad I might <laughs> yeah. right, cancel, cancel that appointment and then by Friday you're cropped again oh, yeah, but that's, a, that's how you point like even I found with counting that when I was I guess would have been back kind of when I first moved home in 2016 that was an element of oh you know I'll put on the long finger I'll book it every month or six yeah. weeks and then I kind of like I'd forget to text her and it'd be like it would just fall into maybe in two months without seeing her and then it's now actually like every time I go I make sure like no I need to book in the next one because yeah. if I don't book it in then it'll be too late by the time I decide that I actually need to yeah, yeah, the book yeah. it in exactly as going to a physio like, yeah. like oh I really can't run now or I really can't you know yeah, drink now yeah. so I should probably book in to see somebody <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> at least when you book it regularly you know that yeah. you have it coming up yeah, yeah exactly yeah. It is. I mean it is very much maintenance work Yeah, thankfully to a large extent that there is it is necessary maintenance but it's, yeah. it is at that point and would it be once a month you'd go now at the minute uh, yeah once a month once every three weeks yeah. give or take service depends on and for you um, I suppose like obviously this all came about not as a maybe not as a direct result of running mm. but that's when you became aware of it so now when you're running do you find that as it works as a release or does it bring back kind of those memories do you kind of still have that lingering moment at the back of your head where you're thinking I'm still I still need to project this. It's, I guess, I mean, like... As being the big man, as the, being the, this elite athlete. I guess, I guess, like, it's become sort of... They're very inseparable from each other. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, I've been running at a high level since I was probably 16. Yeah. Without really a substantive break. So, in terms of separating myself as a Kevin person runner, versus, yeah. versus Kevin yeah. the runner, they're very... They're so interwoven now that yeah. it's hard to say that... Does running make it better or worse? I mean, I haven't mm-hmm. taken a major time off running. Yeah. Like, so I've had highs in running. I've had lows while running. I've had, yeah. I guess I haven't really had highs not running. I haven't been not running and I've had lows being injured. So it's, yeah, it's very hard to tell if running is a good or a bad thing. But I kind of, I guess when I went through like my worst times in college, it, like I was injured at the time. It's kind of like, do I really want to keep running? It's kind of coming yeah. when I was graduating. So it's like, do I want to stick with this after graduation? And when I come back to Ireland, it's like, I guess, thankfully, I went through the phase there of being injured and actually realising that actually, you know, like, I do want to run. Like, I want to yeah. make running work. Yeah. And so I've come to point out, it's like, and it's kind of why in trying to write the piece now is that I want to be running, but I want to be happy while running. And that's kind of the bigger piece. It's not, I don't, I don't want to give up running, but I just mm. want to be happy while doing it. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it's about, anything to do with your mental health or if you attach yourself to something so it's like if I don't if I don't make the team for the next week's match that doesn't make me less as a person yeah. if I don't run a PB this year that doesn't make me worse at my job or I shouldn't de- get less respect from someone on the street because I didn't run oh, yeah. 28 minutes for 10k yeah. Yeah. But no one know about it anyway sorry yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 no one in the street will recognise me anyway so it doesn't really matter then but it is a danger isn't it that we can all sometimes over identify uh, you know well we're talking about running so in this sense and it's in other cultures and other areas but over identifying what you're running and your PBs and 
you know, on one level, if we're honest, there is sometimes people are put on higher pedestals based on their personal best. People get jobs based on their personal best and based on the championships they've run in, whether yeah, they yeah, qualified yeah, to uh, or not. Unfortunately, running is like, that is, like, if you want to get select for championships or get sponsorship, and like that, I mean, it is, it is unfortunate cut and dry sports they come that you are a number on a clock and that is it really so mm. it's a strange hierarchy in, in the sense that like you know you, you could go to like if I go to like the European under 18s and maybe the world under 20s and then you go to the European seniors the difference in terms of like the, with the younger at least the sense of innocence and the joy of running and competing no. and, and it's all fun and it's not quite there will be some obviously there'll be potentially over identifying in terms of success but it's it's certainly a little bit more open and more fun and then there is sometimes then that line where it goes from that sense of freedom and freedom of expression to then maybe an over-identification with the... Yeah, with but, the but I think mean, that comes with how do you become an older athlete? You do have to be more serious. I mean, you can make you can make junior and juvenile championships while, you know, not being, like, doing a lot of stuff that you shouldn't be doing while running or playing or, when you can play or a sport, but if you're a senior athlete and you want to make European seniors or world championships, you, basically, you have to be running and you have to be doing that is kind of your main thing if you want to be at that level so it is just kind of it's the nature of the sport unfortunately that to get to a higher level you do have to buy into it fully and that can often lead to sac- I mean you guys talked about here about kind of the sacrifice you make and not seeing it as a sacrifice if you really yeah. want it but there is still going to come there's still a cost benefit to trying to get to that level it's, there is going to be some collateral damage to it yeah 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 I suppose the, just like we've mentioned on previous podcasts as well about like people you know, giving it a go through their twenties rather than to putting their life on hold for those couple of years and then getting back into running. Yeah. Something you mentioned at the start as well. Like, you know, you you'll only be young, fit and fast for so long, so you need to give it a go. And at the end of the day you're trying to change the number on your forehead, which is your P B or you're trying to achieve yeah. more in the sport or achieve a similar level that you're previously at. But um I suppose it's more so the the intrinsic factors which may have caused your mental health problems in the first place mm-hmm. they're the kind of things you're trying to override now and intrinsically please yourself rather than pleasing others yeah there are, I mean I mean thankfully I guess my running has always been more of a personal goal what I do like what I enjoy most by running is actually kind of the competing element of it so that's mm-hmm. kind of that's a it's a very simplistic thing yeah. if you just want to go out and beat people so at least you can hop in at any race and kind of try mm-hmm. achieve that but yeah. sort of you get you then kind of become you get internal pressure that you want to beat more and more people every time and then you end up getting you sort of you get to a certain level you get to a national level and then the lid lifts off and go to European Championship where it's like mm. not going to be beating these boys today so <laughs> sort of that becomes then a very I guess you know humbling experience that you're yeah. you know you can be I mean in Ireland in a very big case you can be a very big fish in the small pond and then you get your get lit up on a major championship where it's like yeah, it's, it's a different ball yeah. at a certain level yeah. there's more work to be done yeah, that's one thing. Is we we had an athlete that uh, went to uh, championships before and came back kind of almost disillusioned, I suppose, of what with the actual sport itself. Coming mm-hmm. back from the championship is that something that having gone to those uh, like European championships and World Juniors is something that you felt affected you coming back, going well? Do you have to go into that? That's a whole different ball game. How do I deal with this? Yeah, I mean definitely. I mean, I'd say being honest, I don't think I've ever really performed well at a major championship. I mean, definitely my senior ones have been bad just objectively speaking and that is a uh, yeah I mean it's definitely a hard hard learning curve I guess I mean I've almost been lucky that they've been so bad that there's kind of you can always say that was just 
really bad that's not a true reflection of actually how I am as an athlete. That it'd be kind of, if I felt I got the best out, if I felt I got the best out of myself if I got the best out of myself and wasn't happy where I finished, then that might be a bit more yeah, like, oh yeah. geez, what am I doing here? Whereas when you kind of feel like I just ran like cat today, so yeah, I feel like well, there's plenty more to work on there. So yeah, you know yeah. But I mean that's yet. Yeah, it's not a great rational, rationalizing point when, you know, I just ran so badly that I'm not disillusioned about it because I know I can do better a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, but I think you can take spirit from like the runners at the latest European cross that ran yeah. well you you know you run against them you've beaten them so you are capable of that type of oh yeah absolutely. I mean like yeah this this year's European cross kind of like if those lads can do it like absolutely I mean if those lads can be top 20 European cross I'd see absolutely no reason why I wouldn't be able to get at that level as well I mean it's just it's the benefit of having I mean those guys had phenomenal runs that day and are credited for it but it kind of does show that if those three lads can get there there's a lot more athletes who are in that ballpark who can be with them too. Yeah, I did. What, just brief in terms of what lessons did you learn from that and then going back maybe the point, what advice do you think you'd give to young runners as well who've, who've kind of been going through what you've got, gone through as well? From a mental health point of view? Yeah, or yeah, yeah, well, we'll start with the performance and okay, maybe yeah. go back to the... Uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of like watching for European, I mean, the Europeans are still always a different ball game in terms of speed, in terms of everything. It's like you just have to be ready for a different level and you have to kind of be very very much more psyched up for there's no easing your way into an international race that once the gun goes you have to be ready to go with it and then just hang on i think like oftentimes i'd be probably guilty in europeans of like getting out well you're expected to settle and it doesn't yeah. and that's just something that's at a top level those guys don't settle down they slow down slightly but they're still moving very very quickly to be ready to guess hang on at a different level and that's kind of something that comes through just training in a certain way that you learn to put your body on the rivet and hold on to it for a very long time but yeah I mean that's just a different it's just a different style of racing altogether once you get over there I think I'm looking at I've run two European senior cross now and hopefully kind of can keep learning from each of them and move on to it as I you know what's the difference more. between like the NCA cross would be fairly similar wouldn't it and, or yeah well I mean yeah sorry, I mean I guess NCAA cross is very similar I guess the year I probably ran best, I was almost looking at it as a tactical 10k cross country, as much as there can be something like that. He was Edward Cheswick in the race who nobody wanted to try to take on. So that actually, like, at about 7k, I looked and had Cheswick on my shoulder, and I was kind of like, you shouldn't, like, this shouldn't be happening right now in the 10k cross country. Somebody, somebody should be much further ahead. But, yeah, the NCAA was a different level. I remember my senior year went out very hard, and kind of the same thing happened, to just drifting back through the pack. But, I mean, yeah, I think, I think senior level, European cross country at the top end, you're on against some of the best guys in the world so it is just a different ball game to have to get used to yeah so just more practice and more practice said, exactly you gotta just keep, <laughs> just keep showing keep, up yeah. Yeah, keep yeah, coming yeah. back for more and eventually you might get it right yeah, yeah. and uh, back to the more practical matters you know I think it's advice and maybe we, we don't see it not just before we look at that yeah. I just might bring things back to more somber mood <laughs> sure. uh, just in that fast running piece as well you mentioned and you linked to the story written by your uh, friend and former teammate uh, Hale Ross who passed away in 2016 um, he ended his own life and he was a uh, distance runner cross country runner as well but just a quick recap on the piece If click into the link to that as well and have a read of it it's it's quite a tough read but it's it's well worth to read anyway but uh, his father basically writing about how his son Hale had mental health issues and he uh, attempted suicide and was admitted to hospital and struggled with severe depression and like to the point of like barely speaking or communicating yeah. with his father and um and eventually they made a lot of progress with him and he, he re reapplied to Yale and wrote a admission letter and was accepted back in but 
obviously things took a turn again and just in terms of that, how how did that affect you um when you were dealing with your own mental health issues at the same time yeah i mean that was obviously probably one of the probably the saddest thing that i've had mm. happen in my life i still remember exactly where i was and kind of the texts are coming through and we weren't very sure i mean i was i guess luckily not on campus or yeah. i graduated by time so i kind of had a degree of separation from it but i mean i can't imagine it was like for the team and the guys in caps at the time and I was there when the first attempt happened I remember visiting him in hospital and he was I mean he was jerk being picked up and kind of he came back to the team and mm. there are certain levels gallows humour about joking about having two steel pins in his hip so no wonder his hurdle drills weren't very good yeah, but, right. yeah. but I mean yeah he was like none of us would have known that he was going through those issues mm. to the level he was and then kind of his father writing that piece was very much a realisation that like we were all with him on a daily basis and none of us knew this. Yeah. And so that kind of really hits home of these are things you have to share. That mm, yeah. at least that's, I mean, I'm lucky enough to be in a good enough position that I'm not that far down the track of it, but it's why the conversations are important that if you can pull somebody who is not, you know, who is not in as good a place and mm. kind of get them talking or open up about it and kind of getting to the point where people are just very open. Like, I mean, Obviously, we kind of knew after Hale's first attempt that it, that was a tragic, tragic day, and we kind of he sent his readmission there to us, but we still never really knew how he was doing when he came back to campus. I mean, that's as much on us as teammates, and kind of were we there for him enough? Do we ask him enough? And so it's a very, very tricky matter, kind of like how much do you probe yeah. into this matter when you know somebody? But I mean, just letting people know that you're there willing to talk mm. as much willing to listen or as much willing to sit and get a beer and talk about sport as opposed to yeah as opposed to talk about mental health but I mean just being there for people at times like that when you if you do or do not know what they're going through it's sort of it's, it was kind of really hit home that especially his father's piece when you kind of realised the level he was at in his final days that was just mm. yeah it's just a tough but he was one. still a fully functioning adult. Uh, for oh, yeah, I, mean, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, he ran the Ivy League cross country championships the Saturday before he mm. did like, the next day or two. So, I mean, yeah. it's like he was a fully functioning member of the team, fully active, yeah. healthy individual. And that's yeah. the complete tragedy of that. And that's the tragedy in most cases like this that you read or hear about or witness or. Yeah, and that, that I mean, even that's kind of about Grant Hutchinson or Scott, Scott Hutchinson, mm. Grant's brother in Fight Rabbit Up again, you know most of the best musicians who end his own life mm. similarly having released an album about saving suicide for another day a decade earlier yeah. then came back to us to the same place he said he would and so again it's like it's just a level of even kind of through the music of Frightened Rabbit you sort of realise that you could listen to his songs and realise that this is a severely distressed and depressed man but when mm. it comes through not trivial form of music but when it comes to that you don't kind of take it as seriously as you perhaps should have these are such personal, heartfelt lyrics and even when you read kind of Hale's essays that these are things that you can't just sweep under the rug which they yeah. often get done that like you read these pieces or you hear these songs and they get yeah, I've heard that, I've read it, I've acknowledged yeah. it, put it, put it, put, yeah, yeah, file, yeah. file it away and move yeah, on yeah. and like that's, yeah. that's not, I mean, when the stakes are as high as they've proven to be, that's not, it's not really the same way of doing it. Yeah, yeah, just uh, Hale's father and that piece as well I just mentioned is I think the headline might even include the Steve Prefontaine quote of uh, to give anything less than your best is to sacrifice the gift. Yeah. It's like, is, is it worth pushing to that limit? Is 
is giving less than your best really not enough or are young athletes being forced to this image of perfection and that's the only thing that's uh, enough yeah, I mean, it, that is, like I said, kind of earlier about the pressure that comes on. That, I mean, I had the Prefontaine poster on my wall, mm-hmm. as most American high school kids do, and there's one in the room here as well. <laughs> that that it, it is that ideal of, you know, it's such a dogmatic quote of that kind of cathedral. It's to give anything less than your best. Yeah. It's sacrifice a gift, and it's such a, it's such a hard standard to achieve because, yeah. and it's an unattainable standard to a certain extent, but that is still what we try and live to as athletes and mm. when you're trying to live that standard there's going to be you know you're going to lose things along the way and lose side things along the way and so it's trying to pull yourself out of the weeds and mm. look at the bigger picture above you as opposed to trying to plough furrow and get through it but yeah yes. keep digging deeper to, to go nowhere but it's yeah. like it's like jared saying earlier just like over identifying with success and what is success like you can swap we're talking about running but you can swap running for obviously professional football you can swap it for the leave and certain attaining all these grades and seeing yourself I'm not good enough whereas it's not really you've over identified with some sphere of achievement or being a doctor or a runner an artist a musician anything you can basically substitute each category and, and it's equally applicable to, to oh yeah it's the same in every walk of life though when you identify with a certain goal I mean a lot of people kind of talk about I mean, you can read the amount of times that athletes reach the Olympics and then have a complete come down on the other end of it because you build up to this ultimate goal and then when you come down, you sort of realize, like, what was the point in all of that? Yes, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, that's <clears throat> the unfortunate truth that you have to be able to have kind of people around you. And things. Well, so Natalia Coyle said something about what Liam Morgan told her. was basically like, there's no point winning medals if you know them to show them to. Mm. And sort of is that like yeah. when you kind of can sacrifice so much to win a medal, but then you've got no one around you because you've ploughed yeah. through doing what you're doing for so long that nobody wants to talk to you because you're an arsehole. Yeah, that's a very, very <laughs> then, good point. So it's like, and was trying to then, but can you win medals without being an arsehole to a certain extent as well? That's yeah. these all come around to each other that you have to find the very very delicate balance of what level can you get to to yeah. to succeed, but also lead a normal life and keep the good people around you absolutely well thanks for talking us through that kind of sensitive subject there anyway. but I suppose just in terms of what Phelan was getting on to there advice for yeah for others going forward and I suppose for not just young athletes but for yeah. athletes <laughs> male, female young and old alike people in general I'll be in terms of, of next month <laughs> <laughs> in terms a new, of a new lease of life for yeah, your career yeah, he's oh, definitely yeah. not 35 next month no. uh, in terms of I suppose just uh, being aware of their mental health, um, not to put you on the in the spot as the the counselor and the guru of mental <laughs> health uh, awareness here now, but just in terms of uh, what sort of advice would you have in terms of being aware of the mental health? Maybe what steps they can take in terms of reaching out if they think they have some issues, uh, and I suppose how to manage that going forward. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think where I'm coming from, I definitely would not say I'm a guru or any sort of counselor. In fact, that I'm still very much going through this and like yeah. I have most of the time you sort of read about athletes mental health issues you kind of they have the nice cheery ending at the end that mm. I've come through that and risen up again yeah, and yeah. which I mean unfortunately I can't quite say about myself now so I don't have the magic answers but I mean there are the simple things that, you know talking about it has you you hear about talking about it yeah. to the end of days but how much that actually gets done is a different thing and I'd say one thing I've become more aware of over the years is kind of trying to learn what does get you up and what does get you down and 
trying to avoid the things that you find stressful. I mean, I find that if I get, if I start getting pulled in too many different directions by different people, I kind of sink completely into myself and kind of just shut myself off and try, no, I just want to be mm-hmm. alone and get through this myself. Whereas it's obviously not a really rational solution. So it's trying as much to learn about yourself. It's sort of a journey of ultimately self-discovery of kind mm-hmm. of what, what do I enjoy? What do I find gets me down? Kind of, it's like, I wouldn't say I'm a huge amount better than I was four years ago, but I'm much, much better able to understand yeah. and deal with the highs and the lows because just through living experience of it that you know certain things to avoid, mm-hmm. certain things to look forward to, certain things to try, go towards when you can. So learning is much about yourself. I mean, pick up books about depression, kind of see what you find might trigger you about that. And yeah, it's just trying to learn and then strip it back to the very very basics of what you enjoy in life or what pulls you down in life and avoiding one going towards the other and yeah just keep learning yeah great well i think we've covered all we need to cover on that and again yeah lads any further questions there are we happy enough we just want to thank kevin for joining us here on this it was a, a really insightful podcast thing for all of us here and i think we really got something great out of it and hopefully all of you out there will take something out of it as well and um of course, we've seen like with the darkness into light there recently. Yeah. There's a lot of great uh, organizations and charities out there doing great work. So we may might just put a few links underneath this podcast for anyone who wants to just give a click or have a little read of something further. And we'll link to Kevin's uh, article there as well on the website. So thanks for tuning in. We got a great feedback from last week's in terms of uh, topics and suggestions and questions for this week's podcast. But <laughs> we're going to postpone those to next week because all the events will already happen. And then we'll, we'll seem much more knowledgeable. <laughs> But uh, yeah, again, thanks a million, Kevin. No, cheers, thank you very much. We'll be back here, same time, same place, next week. Brilliant. Cheers, thank you. Far from the electric floor, removed from the room.